0: Hello to everybody out there who's got a desire that you've never acted on, even though you deeply want to. Who needs to talk to your partner honestly about it? Because why not? You only live once, and that can be comfortable. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred.
1: I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi,
0: everybody. Chris Gathered here. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. Thanks to everybody who came and saw me in Baltimore last weekend. Up next, look forward to seeing you in Minneapolis, chrisgeth.com. You want to know when those dates are, end of the month, as well as uh, how to get tickets. But it's not about that. It's about the phone calls. And I'm so excited for you to hear this one. This one is going to be many people's favorites. There's going to be some people, granted, who go, this just is not, it's a little risque. Maybe not my type of thing, but... We have a caller who talks primarily about working in an industry where she helps facilitate the sale of sex toys. And she has worked in sex shops. And this is something she's done for many years in her life, starting with working the counter at sex shops and now all the way up through the industry, getting promoted through helping with distribution and sales and things like that. But ultimately, what we have is a call about openness about cultures that remain hidden in my opinion unnecessarily people who feel like they have to feel shame and this caller has just lived in a world that rejects that wholesale that rejects the notion that sexuality should be a shameful thing or a taboo thing and it's a really cool thing to be reminded of it's something that i think myself you go i sit here i go yeah i I, I fundamentally believe that sex shouldn't be shamed and it shouldn't be shameful, but does it change the fact that I'm an awkward human who grew up Irish Catholic and nervous about everything all the time? No, it doesn't change that at all. And I think there's a lot of us who are going to sit here and go, this is a real eye-opening call. Obviously, there's some lascivious details. There's some insight into what's most popular in the world of sex jobs, into what are the things that are most common that we seem to still keep hidden And uh, there's all those details. But overall, I think there's just a real positive spirit of own it. Own what you want. Here's someone who doesn't judge anything, who works in an industry where you can't judge people for, for wanting what they want and for having things that others might consider behind closed doors. I really love this call. I will not soon forget it. Thank you to The Caller for calling. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Is this Chris?
0: This is Chris, yes. How are you?
1: Sorry for asking that. Um, I'm pretty great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. There's no need to
0: be sorry for asking that. That's a tradition at this point. You're participating in a, in a tradition. Cool. I'm into it. Yeah. am flattered by it.
1: Yeah, cool. All right. Same. I guess I'm like, I'm like, does that annoy him at this point? Or is it just like part of the, part of the shtick?
0: (laughs) No. Yeah. I'm all for it. All for it. No need to feel self-conscious. Great. There's many things to feel self-conscious about in life. That is not one of
1: them. All right. And I won't, I'll be done with that then. Um, I liked your prompt today. It felt very much like a 900 number. (laughs) Like I'm waiting by the phone for your call. Um, And I think, Every other time I've tried to get through to you, like I've very much had like a specific thing to talk about. And today I'm like, let's just see what happens.
0: I love that. I really love that. That's quite refreshing, actually.
1: Sweet. Are you, uh, so you're in Jersey. mm -hmm. Are you getting hit by a storm at all?
0: Uh, It rained like cats and dogs for a whole (laughs) bunch of hours. And now it's actually quite lovely out. I'm looking out a window right now. My neighbor is currently walking her dog right in front of my house. And it's a real big dog on a sunny day. That's what's going on in Jersey right now. But I was in Austin, Texas for a few days before that. And I landed just ahead of the hurricane.
1: Yeah, awesome. Good for you. Yeah, improv's big in Austin. I think they have like six theaters down there. I've never been, but that's what I hear. And I'm into improv, so I know that.
0: <sighs> you are. Yeah. it's uh, I know it's big down there. Comedy in general is very big in Austin. And uh, I think... One of the main theaters, I think, one of the major improv theaters, actually did close due to COVID. But I I hear they're trying to reopen their space. Um,
1: Yeah, I think they went from like eight theaters to seven, or like seven theaters to six. So, like, even them not doing well, I think it's doing better (laughs) than a lot of other places.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that that town's always been strange in a lovely way. And then I went down there this time. I go, man, it's it's everybody. Everybody in Austin seems stressed out. Seem stressed out.
1: Really? Yeah. What is it? Is it like the same stuff everyone's dealing with or is it all no, specific?
0: It was two Austin specific things. It was, um, one was that they, they had a law that allowed people to camp anywhere in town, which led to a lot of tent cities for unhoused people. And, sure. um, it's very visible and very pronounced. And even just walking around, there's like a real omnipresence of people. Now, I was staying in an area where I also heard there was a recovery clinic that feels a lot like, oh, there's always people on the streets. Um, right? But I think a lot of people have said, well, this tent thing has been a disaster. And then there's other people going, oh, actually, we got to have time to ride it out and see if it works. And then there's a middle ground of people going... This seems like it's not working, but we can't just end it with no alternative. So there's a lot of chatter about that, even in casual conversation Uh, about people without homes. I wonder
1: how I would feel.
0: Yeah, hard to say, hard to say. And then the other thing is that uh, Joe Rogan moved to Austin and is talking about, and everyone down there is talking about how there's been just a massive, I guess for years, there's been an influx of people from like the tech industry and California and that was already creating some, some grumbling about gentrification in Austin. And now they're saying now there's just this one very influential guy with a very huge podcast and all these people are flocking here just to live in the same city as him. People are saying it's strange. People are saying it's strange.
1: (laughs) I can. Yeah. I, not the Joe Rogan stuff, but I think I, I, I don't mind sharing where I live. Like I'm not super worried about anonymity. Um, Not that people, anyway, that doesn't matter, but I live in Las Vegas and we've had a lot of people from California, especially like move out here just because of cost of living and stuff like that. But people following a celebrity to where they're living is very bizarre to me and gives me like an icky feeling. (laughs) Um, What's the goal there? Like, why? Yeah. I think that's why I couldn't deal with being famous.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's it seems like it's just on everybody's minds. Just seems like it's on everybody's minds. Just all right. these new people and then a lot of people getting displaced and then the displaced people living in tents and the tents showing up in neighborhoods where people are going not in my backyard and it's uh at it all. I don't know that any Where are
1: they Im- supposed to go?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Need to help people. You live in how long have you lived in Las Vegas?
1: Um officially tomorrow I believe is 10 years I started my cross country trip from Pennsylvania 10 years ago today.
0: So you lived so in Pennsylvania I think and
1: you, I made it. Y- yeah.
0: And you went on a cross country trip and then you got to Vegas and you said I'm staying here. This is the new home base. Well the
1: plan was always Las Vegas. Like yeah. I I I grew up in New York, uh, in Westchester County. I moved to PA when I was seventeen, like smack dab in the middle of my senior year, um, which happened to be like a couple of months after nine eleven. So when I moved to PA, all of the Pennsylvanians were like, "Oh, did you move because of that?" <laughs> and I was like, "No," um, but I can see how it might appear that way. Uh, but that was really bizarre. Anyway, I spent ten years in Pennsylvania, and then I. Had a partner at the time who desperately wanted to move to Las Vegas. His mom was out here. So, you know, kind of like the, it was an easy transition for him to come out and stay with her while he kind of got on his feet. Um, And he did that, I think, in April of that year. And then, yeah, I waited for him. I, God, it sounds terrible. I waited for him to do all the work. He got a job and got an apartment. And then I packed up my little Honda Civic with my two cats. And my little brother came on the drive with me and we drove like basically straight through. I slept while he drove and vice versa. So we made pretty great time. Um, And I've been here ever since, except for a short couple of years where I was in Los Angeles, but I hated it.
0: (laughs) And you said that was your ex-partner. So you moved with your partner and now that is no longer your partner.
1: No longer my partner. Now we made it. We made it out here, I think we were together a total of five years, and uh, he was definitely the person I thought I was going to end up with forever, but that didn't end up happening once we came out here. I think we lasted two and a half years before, uh, ultimately, I fucked it up. Sorry, Sally. <laughs> oh, no. um, but I did. Yeah. I mean, listen, at this point, it's been... Quite a while, you know. We're going on eight years since that relationship ended, and uh, I've done a lot of growing. I haven't, I haven't been drinking for like I think 260 days now. Uh, I've been through my own uh, hell as far as relationships go, and I think I've learned a lot about myself. and And ultimately, I hurt him in a way that he didn't deserve uh, for my own terribly unhealthy reasons. I felt unfulfilled. I felt like he wasn't paying attention to me. And so I got, I was getting that attention elsewhere and I acted on it and, uh, and I have forgiven myself, uh, but he definitely didn't deserve it.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. It mm.
0: do, it does. Uh, <laughs> when you talk about Vegas, in one sense, I've been through Vegas enough times to know there's the Vegas that we all know about. And that's a very real thing. There's also Vegas, which is people living in neighborhoods and houses that look just like neighborhoods and houses everywhere else. But it does that is it does sound like you know there's people out there going you go to Vegas and uh, you live the wild times. And you mentioned that you got sober and that maybe you uh, found some attention elsewhere. And it does sound like it fits that stereotype of like oh things things get crazy in Vegas and people go hard. Party all the time.
1: (laughs) I think that's true. I think there are some people that come here with that intention. Um, And I think my my main reason for coming here, aside from it being an easy transition, having, you know, family here was that it doesn't snow here. And uh, that was really like I I, just every year winter would come on the East coast. And I was like, I can't do another one of these. And so finally it was like, okay, cool. I'm never going to have to do this again. Yeah. I, mean, I can get rid of the scraper for my car and <laughs> I don't have to worry about driving in it. Um, so that was a big deciding factor, but it, like, I don't know. Uh, Vegas is a a very popular place on the flip side for people to clean up their acts. Like, AA is big here. I'm not in AA, so I'm not breaking any rules, Um, but I know that, like, this is a a very, this is a hot spot for AA, and maybe it's because people come here and go too hard and hit rock bottom, but, yeah, I think, I think I was already living a troubled lifestyle before I came here, you know, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, for, for everything that I've been through over the last 10 years, I just, I just checked. It's been 257 days since I had a drink today. Uh And my problems were around for years and years before that.
0: (laughs) And you're feeling better in those 257 days?
1: Oh my God, I love it. I love it so much. I, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I don't have to worry about waking up hungover. I don't have to worry about like waking up with a guilty feeling and not really remembering why, just kind of waking up knowing like, oh, I have to apologize to people today and I don't know what for.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had a few nights like that.
1: That Yeah. Yeah. And I think the last time I did it, like the last time I drank, I was having a meeting with my comedy group via Zoom and I was acting a fool and I got up to take a break from the meeting and I like went to the restroom and I, on my way, like trying to leave the restroom, like I literally fell and cracked my head open in the shower and there was blood everywhere and I couldn't drive so I was just like yeah that's I think this is enough because I shouldn't be drinking alone and this could have been so much worse and uh so yeah December 8th was the last time I drank anything
0: that's not Uh a good feeling to know everybody can hear it in a zoom that's
1: that's that's a
0: (laughs) there there's a pandemic specific thing Decided to get sober after <laughs> cracking my drunkenly cracking my head open, and understood my improv group was listening on a Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's
1: yeah. Um, and they're so supportive, you know. Uh, no one judged me, at least not outwardly. Um, but I, yeah, I got to say, like it was, it's, it's been a really phenomenal decision. I think uh, there's been a lot of stuff to accomplish. Um, my, yeah, my comedy group, my improv group just started basically a school like a training program here um and we launched classes yesterday and obviously there's a lot of back-end work i've I've just felt much more clear and focused and awake and i'm sleeping well it's it's all the things are lining up and uh i think alcohol was just a small part of it taking that out was just a small part of it
0: well that's good that's good uh i'm I'm glad that you're feeling clear headed in that sense, and then I'm glad that there's all this other forward momentum that exists simultaneous to it. That can't be a bad thing, right? To have one piece of the puzzle be the alcohol, and then now you'll also associate it with this exciting thing and like creativity and, and launching a new venture with these creative people. No, those errors will always be uh tied together in your in your memory. What a nice What a nice thing. What a nice confluence of events, you might say.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I still don't know where it's all going. And I think I'm, for the first time in my life, okay with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: That's cool.
1: Yeah, normally I think I'm a a very much, like, not so much a planner, but, like, I need to know why and how, and that makes me feel safe and secure. And I've gotten, I've had to let a, a lot of that go. Uh, because the reality is, I think I moved, you know, think about like me moving here 10 years ago, I had some idea of what my life was going to look like. And that has just nothing even close to that happened. I thought I'd move out here. He and I would get married, you know, maybe, you know, like, I don't, you know, just that life. And, uh, and yeah, that didn't end up happening. I ended up getting poached for like a job in Los Angeles to help design sex toys. And so I moved out there, uh, for, a couple of years and I just hated it so much. I missed my friends in Las Vegas. I missed the community. I was driving out here like every other weekend, not to mention my boss was just the worst, just an absolute tyrant of a person. And, you know, so, uh, so yeah, I ended up moving back. (laughs) Um, Now I'm I'm going to, I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause because
0: we can't just, I mean, it's your life. So these things are all just, you know, points online and you're telling us about the points, but I can't just rush past. So you moved to LA to design sex toys. And then you said you hated it. Did you hate Los Angeles or did you hate designing sex toys?
1: No, God, sex toys. I love, I've, I've been, (laughs) I've been in the sex toy realm, uh, for half of my life. Like I, you know, I started when I was 18, I'm 37 now. So I started like working in adult stores and like, you know, selling porn and selling sex toys. So I've, I've really built a career out of that. And to be like kind of tapped to come to Los Angeles and help create a company and design the products, that was a phenomenal opportunity. Los Angeles itself, I hated. I think I was, at that point, I was making more money than I had ever made in my life. And I was broker than I had ever been in my entire life at the same time. Uh, so, just the cost of living yeah, that, and
0: the lifestyle.
1: Right, right. Yeah, the cost of living. And I think just, I don't know, I already get anxiety, like with traffic and, you know, parking. And that's, you know, it's, it's nothing new to say that that's awful. Um, and yeah, no, it was, it was really just LA itself. And the person who was my boss at the time that made it just awful and miserable, like, some of the darkest times in my life were the two and a half years I was in LA. So I would drive back to Vegas like almost every weekend or every other weekend. I still had a very cool friend group here. Uh, I had started dating someone else who was in Vegas. so I was doing the long distance thing. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, we can talk more about sex toys. I'm still in that business. I work for a wonderful person now.
0: <laughs> you are. What kind of. Yeah. What. So you, you said you started out. Working in sex shops, these are like the types of sex shops that you'll see from time yeah. to time when you're driving down the highway or, or walking through a city. Where, yep, you go in, and I think there's varying degrees of what those might mean. What, uh, how does one at the age of 18 <laughs> okay? Yeah, let's start at the beginning, and then I, I want to hear about the background, start at the beginning. <laughs> and then I want to hear about yeah. where you're at today working for this wonderful person, okay? So You said 18, you wind up working in a sex shop. How does that happen? And what is the nature of this sex shop? And let's pause right there. Because that's a question everybody wants to know the answer to. How do you wind up at 18? Selling sex products at a sex shop. Speaking of selling products, I'm about to do so via ads. We'll be right back. Thanks to all of our advertisers who helped this show exist. Now let's get back to the call. 18, you wind up working in a sex shop. How does that happen? And what is the nature of this sex shop?
1: 100% I have always had a fascination with with sex. pornography, almost like to the point where it's not even like sexual. It's just uh, like, Oh, these are people's bodies and this is what they do. And, and so from a very young age, I, you know, I was kind of, you know, like I am, I am a woman, I'm a cisgender woman, uh, but I was like, you know, a lot of my friends would, you know, put gender normative stereotypes on me. Like, Oh, you're like the guy in our group. Cause I would invite people over to my house to watch porn, but like, just in a fun way. Um, so then anyway, when I'm 18, I had to, I was in college briefly and ran out of money. So I had to drop out due to financial reasons. I moved back in with my mother, who at the time we were living in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, and she was like, you have two weeks and then you have to find a job, you know, like basically two weeks to like settle back in, get your shit together. And then you have to get a job. Um, and at 18, I had like you know, bright green mohawk and like piercings. And I was like, I don't want to work at Hot Topic. Where else, what else is going to hire me? Um, So I walked into the local porn shop and sure enough, like there were, you know, two people behind the counter that had funky hair and body piercings and tattoos. And I was like, Oh cool. Give me an application. Um, And they, they hired me. I was making like $6 and 50 cents an hour to rent out VHS porn to all the local neighborhood dudes, Um, and I remember, like, greeting people when they walked in, you know, people walk into a store, and I would just be like, hey, how are you, and my manager got so mad at me, I was just like, don't talk to these people, they don't want to be talked to, they just want to come in and get their movies and leave, and I was like, that seems weird, Um, and I had that guy's job, like, a year later, and I just worked my way up through that company until I was the district manager, overseeing quite a few stores. She said video
0: rental, toy sales. Now I do I do wanna ask. I also know that sex shops can be a meeting place for people to hook up. I know that um in the in the gay community historically they've been kind of a safe haven for that. I wonder if if that's Yeah, with
1: like the arcades and theaters.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's an aspect of um any of the shops you worked in and what the relationship is sort of working there while also providing this haven for people who are, you know, of a a persecuted group, having a place to meet.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And and I like that you bring that up because that's something that I've always felt was very important about what I did. Like, I I don't know, some naysayers or people that really... Are uncomfortable with the idea of sex and, and, and the realm that, that I've made a living out of uh, can be judgmental, right? Like, oh, you had to drop out of college and work at a foreign shop, you know? Uh, and I got my fair share of that. Um, and maybe some of it is internalized as well. But I've always appreciated the fact that, like, we are a safe haven, especially for folks that are mistreated elsewhere or marginalized groups. The theaters and arcades, the meet-up spots, those are those were a lot bigger when I moved to Las Vegas and stores were open 24 hours and uh, and we actually got to kind of like you know yeah we're selling tickets to you so you can go in there and meet up with someone. It's really the the best stores and the stores that I've worked in are not judgmental places. Um, we're not necessarily going to allow illegal activity to go on, um, but we're also not going to. Uh, you know, assume gender and think that we know what your partner is without you dictating the language of that. And if you're buying a a ticket to go into the theater to meet up with someone, that's your business. I think that's something that has always attracted me to the industry and has kept me in the industry as long as it has, is that it's very, it should be at at the core of it, very welcoming and non-judgmental.
0: I just, yeah, it's, it's a, It's a thing I've always been so fascinated by, you know, is this idea, like we were talking before about, you know, Austin, people saying not in my backyard. And then a sex shop is another thing where people kind of, you know, you might see a neighborhood where it goes, oh, an adult bookstore open and we don't want it here. And then you read about it. There was a great documentary on Netflix. Oh, I'm blanking on the name of it about a pornographic bookstore in Los Angeles that closed. And it was this like very sad thing for the gay community because it was a place where, you could go and it was understood you're going to be safe here and you can find certain types of books that you might not find elsewhere and you're not going to be judged. And you might even be able to meet other people who are kind of feeling it out and, and, uh, figuring out sexuality or who feel scared or feel unsafe, especially, you know, in prior decades and the whole culture of adult bookstores and sex shops as these safe havens for, um, i'm i'm sure that there have been many many uh a, a college, an academic essay written on this topic but it's a really really fascinating thing it's not just like oh that's where you go to rent your porn it's very often that's where someone who feels very unsafe feels uh total lack of judgment when they don't find it anywhere else in their yeah. life and that's a that's a very different thing when you think about it
1: it's super different. And I and I don't think there's enough emphasis on that. Like when people when people are terrified that a porn shop's gonna open up, you know, down the road, like what what are they afraid of? You know? And I think that's that's largely what I appreciate about the company that I now work for is that we're not only are you buying products from us that are high quality, but you're really getting a lot of content and education behind how to like destigmatize pleasure in the first place. You know, and a lot of that is definitely, you know, um, you know, it's feminism, which is really about everyone being equal, you know, but the 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 constructs of, of you know, global constructs and then, you know, obviously, more specifically, uh, the, the patriarchy that America has <laughs> suffered, endured, I don't know what the right uh, word would be, maybe all of the above, um, has really, you know, like, created, created Everything that that people are afraid of—it's—it's it's all these magical, ethereal ideas that aren't actually real. You know, virginity is a construct, and you know, uh, like uh, consent—you know—was created as a way to combat what was happening to us. And I think being in the sexual, the sexual realm, you know, especially from the time I was eighteen and, and up, at least, you know, I mean, I was always curious about it. Um, you can't, you can't forget that like folks that are going into the business at that age are also like, I attribute a lot of my own growth and learning about myself to being surrounded by the people who are creating these products and talking about these acts and normalizing a lot of it. Um, cause I think, you know, especially for women, obviously, like I can't speak for all women. I can speak for my own experience. Um, you, you don't get taught, Pleasure, you know, we don't learn about pleasure in sex ed. We learn about boys ejaculating, but you know, what what is there? What about me? Like, <laughs> what do I know? I know that I get a period and then it's over, right? Like, I know that I can get pregnant and then my life is over. I know that I might get an STD and my life is over. Like, we don't talk about my body and what feels good and pleasure and how to safely maneuver those topics. Um, and I, so I think yeah, I think more comprehensive sex education would dispel a lot of the fear around, you know, sex shops and sex toys and pornography.
0: Now, I I love this. I love hearing how hard you've thought about this. I love hearing that it's like, <laughs> it's a job, but then you go, oh, this is actually an industry that I have found comfort in and that I've worked in for decades and I can think about it from like a grown-up perspective. So I'm not going to try to just be totally uh, lean into the sensationalistic side of it, but this one kind of splits the difference. So- with what you've just said in mind, I feel like there's another aspect of this, which is there's probably people who walk down the street who from the outside eye, you go, oh, they're totally square. And then you have this perspective <laughs> from you've worked in this industry where when you were in the, the actual sex shops themselves, overseeing them, working your way up that chain, you go, oh, that that's a person who you might just see online at Starbucks and they wouldn't guess that they're coming in and buying blank. And I want to know when it's, when that sentence ends with the word "blank," what are the common items that you know from your perspective more people are into than we talk about? You know what I mean?:
1: Oh, butt stuff. yeah, butt stuff, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, in fact, like yeah, the company I work for has has a few distinct brands. We manufacture all the products, but one of the brands is specifically anal sex products uh, because, you know, there's, there's, there was a lacking of it. You know, we were, we're not super old. We're a five-year-old brand. Um, but it is by and large the topic that every single person it appears is curious about and wants to know more about. And, uh, you know, the, the butt is an equal opportunity orifice, you know, everybody has one. So it's kind of one of those, one of those things where it's like, you have this part of your body that is just, rich with nerve endings, you know, and, and why are we ignoring it or why are we acting as if pleasuring it is a bad thing, you know? And so that, that topic alone I think is, is so full of taboo and misinformation and, and dangerous and harmful information that the act of anal sex or anal pleasure um doesn't, it isn't something that people are as open to talk about or, or to, to explore in any sort of public realm. Um, it's usually like that's what people are going to walk up to you and whisper like, hey, do you sell butt plugs? You know, like, come on. Like, really, everyone's trying it. And if they're not trying it in a safe way with the information that they need to, to make it pleasurable and safe, then, yeah, we're just creating more people out there that have a bad experience. Uh, and that's going to spread more misinformation. That's a long answer to your question. It would definitely be butt stuff. Love um, it.
0: Love it. And now and
1: BD- BDSM stuff too. <laughs>
0: and like, you know? did Fifty Shades of Grey, did that really get more people coming through the doors in that space? It stretch?
1: did. It- Oh my God. Yeah, hands down. I mean, we, we refer to it as like, I think it was the great Benoit ball shortage of 2014 or whenever that happened, 2013. <laughs> um, because I have <laughs> I have never read the books. I have never seen the movies. But I know that there's stuff happening with Benoit balls in there because literally no supplier had them in stock for like six months.
0: I have not read the books or seen the movies as well. I I think I've heard the phrase, but I'm not sure what a... Is uh, it a Benoit ball? Yeah. Is that a ball yeah, that goes start, up your butt? Yeah,
1: Benoit balls. They're... No, no, you don't want to put these balls up your butt because there's on a lot of them there's no retrieval leash and the butt, mm-hmm. things can get lost up there. Yeah. The vagina, however, uh, is a safe place. So uh, ba- these balls were designed basically like they're they're weighted internally. So it's like you have this little ball and you can shake a little ball around and you can hear and feel the weight inside of it. Um those balls will go inside the vagina and with any movement of the body, they kind of create this internalized sensation of vibration without a motor. So I think, yeah, yeah. And they're also great to use, um, you know, in conjunction with Kegel exercising because it's kind of like, you know, weight training, but with your Kegel muscles.
0: Now (laughs) check this out. Some people have turned this one off at this point. And everybody who hasn't turned it off has turned it up. So this is for the people who have turned it up. Let me ask. So, okay. So we mentioned these balls. You say butt stuff. Now in the course of that, butt plugs, common one that come up. um, Mm -hmm. I would imagine anal beads are a thing that that you have to keep well stocked. I bet that's an entry level butt play thing that people get into.
1: Yep, yep. People know what anal beats are, so it's definitely something that people will ask about.
0: I'm gonna listen, I like to be full disclosure on this show. Maybe I shouldn't be with this. I got mm-hmm. nothing against butt stuff. I did once tell a joke on a stand up album. Um this was in 2012. I think this in subsequent years became a little bit of like a meme. I was at the early era of saying like eating butt, nothing wrong with eating butt. It's it's fun, let's everybody get over it. Um so I got right. no problem with butt stuff. But I never liked a thing in my butt. It's a thing that people, you, you know, when you're single and you. some people, they throw a finger in as a part of a thing. And I just but realized <laughs> I, morally I got nothing against this, but the sensation is not for me. So a butt plug, my right. understanding is that kind of places some pressure uh, amongst those nerves you mentioned that can make other things uh, pleasurable or get you ready for anal sex perhaps like sort of to train and get right. you loosened up and ready for there right what are the
1: other what are the I other like you, you you say these like you sound like like you're inquisitive but you also know what you're talking oh, about oh i know a lot about <laughs> this stuff.
0: no i know please i
1: yeah okay. i
0: read a lot i retain a lot of information so i know what a butt plug is cool. a- anal beads a series of beads you put them in one at a time i bet that when you pull them out at one at a time, that could be a fun part of the process too. Though I'm not sure. What are the other right. butt stuff things that fly off the shelves?
1: Well, there are. There's a variety of plugs. So, you know, some plugs, some butt plugs are definitely, you know, designed to be worn while other acts are happening. You know, um, some butt plugs are designed to help train your butt for something larger. So if someone's preparing for, like, a dildo or a strap-on or a penis, you know, this is going to help them get there uh, by, you know, training training them to receive something bigger. Um, anal, you know, does it vibrate? Is it weighted? What is it mm-hmm. made out of? Those mm-hmm those are the main differences between butt toys, like the materials, their function and their shapes. you know, like I don't have a prostate. So I, you know, a plug, you know, a, a curved plug for me could still feel very great, but it's going to feel very different for someone who has a prostate. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And also, you know, like it's all about kind of like the prep, you know, like, I don't think anyone should just be throwing a finger in someone's butt without asking. Like, that should never have happened to you. I'm no, sorry that it did. No, no, no. Let me That's- be
0: clear. Let me be clear. <laughs> no one ever just tossed a finger in with malicious intent. Okay. I just feel like in the court, you know, if we're just going to be this, Frank, my mother turned this one off a million minutes. Right. Now, you know, there might be, a th- <laughs> I think one thing that happens, uh, Somewhat frequently is maybe somebody maybe somebody's performing oral sex on a guy, and they might start tickling down by the butt. And then in the courses, some people say a finger right. coupled up with a blowjob is a great thing. And mm-hmm. uh nobody ever just jammed a finger up there. But in the course of exploring that, which mm. is a thing that happens, right. I said I have un, I have come to realize I find it more pleasurable. Let's we like if it was a drive-through line, it would be let's just get that one without the lettuce and tomato. I'll just order that sandwich, yeah, without that. I just right. like it better without that topping. Yeah. I don't need that topping; it's mm-hmm. not for me. There's other stuff I enjoy. I like
1: right? that. You I know? like that you likened it to to a drive-through because that's that's kind of like when when I'm teaching these classes on on our anal products and you know it's like anal sex is something that people have taken off their menu without even trying it, and the reality is like you know, it doesn't matter who you're bringing to dinner. Like it matters the restaurant you're at, you know, because that's the other thing is like a lot of cis men who do enjoy anal play are up against this taboo that that means they must be gay or they must be bi or they must be something. And it's like, no, it just means that your butt has, you know, like your, I think it's your sphincter itself has 4,000 nerve endings, which is the same amount of nerve endings as in the head of the penis. It's half the amount of nerve endings as in the clitoris. So why are we ignoring this? Like touching that and having it feel good doesn't make, it doesn't mean anything about anyone other than they like when things feel good, you know? And that's this like basic thing that a lot of people refuse to wrap their head around because of what they've been told and taught and, you know, forced to believe by any number of like, I don't know. I love it. uh, (laughs) Societal constructs. Religion's a big one.
0: And it's also (laughs) too, I'll just say this on my end too. I do really hate that we're in a world where if somebody goes, I like X, Y, and Z in my life, that we then are trained to go, Well, that must mean that you fit into this classification. And it's like, maybe that, maybe you're gay or maybe you're bi or maybe you're just you and you can be comfortable knowing that everything you've liked thus far is something that, yes, you in fact like. But if you also, uh, if you like being with a lady and you enjoy the lady to uh, put on a strap on every once in a while, it doesn't yeah. fundamentally alter anything about, you know, what your morning was like this morning or what your morning will be like tomorrow. It doesn't fundamentally, it doesn't, hasn't yeah, rearranged your it DNA. <laughs> it's not a scarlet letter. It's just, it means. doesn't mean
1: you won't donate to charity. It doesn't no. mean, yeah, it doesn't mean you're, you're like dogs more than cats. It's just, yeah, sex, sex has been, it's, it's, it's used against us in so many yeah. ways, you know, and, and really it's used against anyone, you know, like I, I think for the most part, like, it is something that does equalize us because it it has been used against us as a weapon. You know, there's no one is immune to that. It doesn't matter what color or gender or sex or race you are. Um, because yeah, if you're a straight, a a straight cisgender dude, uh, you better, you better only like tits and ass, you know, otherwise you're gay. Like that's, it's, it's really the, the, You know, this thing that's used against every single person, uh, if we don't line up the way we're told to
0: companion question to this one, Moving up from butt stuff, here's a question that mm-hmm. I really am interested in and that I, and this one is a service to our listeners that I feel like you may be the only person who's ever called this, who can answer this. I've been oh in a goodness. sex shop before. Look, I lived in New York City. I mean, you walk around certain parts of town and yeah. even now in 2021, it's not like the old days with Times Square, but you know, you you can't walk three or four blocks. Some bus. of
1: the best ones are in New York. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. What are some of your favorites? What one should I check out when next time I'm in town?
1: Um well you have what do you have there you have uh babeland and pleasure chest uh those would be some some really great uh progressive uh I think they're right bar the, that carry a lot of products
0: right by yeah. the comedy seller i think uh at least I think babes in toyland is one that's right there, which I hear good things about
1: yeah those, those, those. are i they're just so well informed and welcoming and equal and inclusive like i yeah and I think Yeah, definitely. (laughs) What was your next question?
0: Well, like you said, so much stuff gets classified as off limits. So much stuff gets classified as for fetishists. I know that Mm -hmm. having stepped inside stores akin to this in my life, you will see products where if you haven't done your research, I don't know to the naked eye what that is or what it's for. This is just the thing. You know, you sure. see the racks with the lingerie. You gotta get what that is. You see the vibrators. You go great. You go, oh, those are the really expensive ones. They're in a case that's locked up. I oh, mm-hmm. there's all the lube. You know, you you, you see the things you recognize. Yeah. Then you see some stuff where you go, okay, what is this exactly? And I'm wondering if there's any products out there that you think have historically flown under the radar, where you're going, God damn it! If this was a little more mainstream, people would just be getting off more and loving it. Are there any products that you're like, if people were you like if, man, if people were out here using cock rings, people don't even know the joy, or, are there any things like that that you can think of where you're like, these things yeah. are great and people don't realize it? And let's pause. I feel like there might be listeners to this show, I've been listening since the very beginning going know 250 plus episodes i've never heard chris getter say the word cock ring and it just happened you can cross that one off your list we'll be right back thanks again to all of our advertisers now we're going to finish the phone call are there any products that you're like if people were you like if man if people were out here using cock rings people don't even know the joy (laughs) are there any things like that that you can think of where you're like, these things are great and people don't realize it.
1: I do think, yeah, I, well, I, it's not a short list. I think in general, um, I think in general, uh, people, people will look at sex toys and, and, and even sex toys have a stigma around them, right? Like if, if, if you have a, a, you know, quote unquote pocket pal or a pocket pussy, that must make you a loser, but it's okay for a woman to have a vibrator. Like that's not true. I don't Mm -hmm. feel that way. Mm -hmm. I'd say the majority of people in this industry don't feel that way. Like sex toys are sex toys. They're here to help and enhance and make your experience better. Um, I think sex toys are often overlooked by couples, you know? So I think there's, I first of all, like stainless steel uh, products, like stainless steel dildos, I think are overlooked because they can look a little medical and people associate that with having a fetish. And mm-hmm. that's not, Necessarily true. Um, there are some really beautiful stainless steel dildos that you know you're you're not necessarily talking about something that's going to vibrate, but it is something that retains heat and cold very well. So you know if you like the sensation of ice, but you don't want to mess, you can run these under ice cold water and they'll retain that really well. Um, same with warm water. Obviously, you don't want to boil them. We're not trying to hurt anyone. Uh, but I think yeah, butt stuff and. Goodness, I think you're right when you say, like, if people knew more about cock rings, I think they would use them more. You know, I think they have taken on this kind of, like, comedic, like, you know, everyone, I think Mr. Show back in the day did a sketch about cock rings, like, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like the cock ring warehouse. And so they've always been, like, attached to the, the comedy side. People are aware of them and know about them, but I think it's done a disservice because, uh... They can they can make your erection last longer. They can make your orgasm better. They can make your dick feel bigger. Like they're they're kind of all around great. Um, and they're great for gender play if you want to use it on a dildo or a strap on or a packer.
0: I because oh that's very okay because I also feel like there is a there is another aspect of this as well which is that um, I think cock rings are also another. They're, they're a product that a lot of people might associate uh, with the gay community um, in a way where it goes, oh man, are we just all cutting ourselves off from a, l- a hell of a lot of fun? Hell of a lot of fun.
1: Yes. Because the gay people have done the work for you, you know? Trans <laughs> people have done the work for everyone else. Like, that's that's the whole, you know, we owe a lot to our black trans friends that have come before us. They, they have, you know, like... Obviously, historically, some really huge monumental stuff, but let's not sell them short when it comes to sex and pleasure. Like, they know what's up, and we should be paying attention.
0: Right, right. I just read an article. I'm constantly reading long-form journalism, and I just found one about, Mm -hmm. as a sex, as someone from this community, I bet you will laugh at this, it was an article that basically said we're going to try to get to the bottom of figuring out who it is that makes poppers because it's a very secretive mm. thing. And for people who don't know, yeah. poppers are, most sex shops, I would say, at least in the New York area, at the checkout counter, you'll see all these little bottles behind a case. And they're listed, they're often listed yeah. as like VCR cleaners or nail polish removers. Head cleaner, yeah. Head cleaner. <laughs> and and yeah. I, I've never used them, but my understanding is that you sniff them while you're having sex and that they make an orgasm really intense. And I know they're very popular in the gay community. And it basically was this article okay. that was like, who's making these? Who is it? Cause there's a couple really huge brands and it was just, it was just yeah. got to the bottom of it. And uh, another, another product out there that I go, I've always heard of those. They've always been a bit of a punchline. I have no idea what they do. Is that a thing? Is that a thing that the world at large should know more about?
1: That I don't know about. Um, just because I know, you know, you're you're essentially talking about like huffing. It's similar right. to huffing and you I, are I can't yeah. necessarily like I Right, right. Um and I have also never used poppers. I've certainly sold my fair share of them. Um but they are kind of this like secretive thing. Uh And I'll say, like, you know, you can't, you don't work in porn shops for 15 years without accidentally breaking a bottle of that at one point and the smell of it, the fact that people are deliberately putting their noses up to it and snorting it is ridiculous to me because it's not a good smell (laughs) you know it's intense
0: Um, it's chemical i mean yeah yeah. i should i shouldn't sit here and encourage people hey go huff chemicals like do your research see if it's for you talk to someone who's used them before it's just an aspect of your world i find very fascinating now this one's obviously flying by once you start talking butt stuff the time really flies we've got 15 minutes left
1: it took us a while to get there (laughs) oh no
0: stop i want to uh i do want to know what you know, because you started ground level. I've been able to ask you about the culture of these stores, people coming in. I think you've done a lovely job of talking about, you know, stuff that people keep secret when it probably, hopefully we're at an era in history where if somebody, you know, wants to get a butt plug, they don't have to feel so bad about that. But modern day, it's, been, it's been a long time. You're not a teenager anymore like you were when you started. Now you say you're working for a company that you're really psyched on, but still in this realm, what kind of stuff do you work on?
1: So I, uh, I handle all of our wholesale accounts. So, you know, I'm not selling direct to consumers. I, I'm selling to, you know, like the babes in Toyland and Toyland and stuff like that. And they're selling our products to consumers. Um, which, uh, you know, a lot of it is, is, you know, not super fun stuff. when you're talking about just like processing purchase orders and, you know, Whatnot, but um, but I do still have the opportunity. Largely, it's been over Zoom to train the salespeople on our products and how to talk to consumers about it and how to start the conversation um, and which products are recommended for you know you know the folks that are coming into the store. So someone who doesn't have any experience with sex toys, has never used one before, we're not going to recommend our most powerful vibrator. You know, we're going to want to start with something else. So that's 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 the bulk of what I do is is servicing our wholesale accounts, which you know we do globally. Um, you know, Europe, Canada, Australia, New Zealand—literally all over the world—you uh, can find our products. And uh, so that's cool. And and talking to people about how to talk about sex and sex toys is uh, that's my passion. That's what that's that's the best part of it to me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It's cool. It must be cool for you to know, like if you're working now in distribution, it's fair to say you have probably given thousands of people better orgasms.
1: I really hope so, you know, and even if we haven't, you know, even for the folks that maybe uh, haven't had an orgasm yet, you know, like we refer to that as pre-orgasmic, you know, there's plenty of people out there my age, your age, much older that have never experienced that. Like, that's also okay. You know, it's really about the journey, you know, like uh, orgasms are great. I love them. I recommend them. Everyone should have one. And if you're unable to, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that your sex life is over or that you don't deserve pleasure. Pleasure is a birthright. Um, and so, yeah, I think that journey of it and I, I can speak for myself, like, like, I, I know I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but working in this industry I was always comfortable with it as an outsider, like porn fascinated me. I liked people's bodies. I didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, it wasn't necessarily comic, you know, like it wasn't comedy to me the way I think a lot of us are are about it when we're uncomfortable with it. But I do know it has made my life better. It's given me confidence. It's made Me unafraid to talk about what I like in the bedroom and to, you know, more importantly, talk about what I don't like in the bedroom. And I think that is what keeps me in it. And that is what continues to inspire me in conversations with people just on a regular basis. You know, like maybe you're not having dangerous sex, but you're not having fulfilling sex. And why is it because you're afraid to tell your partner, I don't like when you lick my ear? You know, I don't like when you touch me like that. Like there's a way to have those conversations that it doesn't feel like you're attacking anyone where you don't have to hurt anyone's feelings. And what you're risking by not having those conversations is being unfulfilled, you know, Uh, being less pleased than you have the ability to be.
0: I love that. Now you brought up that, Mm -hmm. you know, it affects your own conversations. Do you, (laughs) working in this field, I have to imagine there's two things that might happen. One, do you ever find partners who are intimidated by you? Two, do you ever have partners yeah. where you realize they're <laughs> putting you on a pedestal as some sort of like sex deity unfairly?
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's happened a, a couple of times um, and, and I get it. You know, like I, I do get it. I was just talking about this with some sex worker friends of mine and how, you know, it does kind of feel like uh, in a way unfair, but it's no one's fault. You know, like I do know a lot about sex. I don't know everything, you know, I'm not a certified educator. I don't have a degree in it. Um, but I, I think because I am open about it and I think because of, obviously because of what I do for a living, uh, it has, I have ended up with people that are, yeah, intimidated by me. Um, it does affect, you know, kind of the communication around it. Um, I think I take on a lot of the responsibility at certain times with my partners. Like, Oh, I'll be the one to bring up something, or I'll be the one to mention, you know, I'm not happy with the frequency that we're having sex or I wish you would initiate more or, you know, uh, this doesn't do it for me. Um, And I'm okay with that burden because I think, I think I'm helping other people, you know, like they, I don't know, maybe it's like my, my sex version of good luck, Chuck. Like, you know, once I set you free, you'll be better to the next one. You know?
0: (laughs) I like that. I like that. Oh yeah. There's been some people where it it didn't work out with you, but they, they had a whole new mindset moving forward.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. You will, you will be a less selfish lover with your next one because I didn't let you get away with that. And that's all I can do is just kind of pay it forward and release these, better sexual beings out into the world.
0: Well, God bless you when you say it like that. God bless you. Now, (laughs) I also am laughing to myself here because I taught improv forever and was really well regarded as a teacher and taught probably a couple thousand people over the years. And there's one thing that I know is I was always a fan of teaching people like you in the improv world. And now you're at a point where you're helping to run a school. So I know it worked out, but... It always makes me laugh because every once in a while you get someone from just a very unique walk of life like this and they're really good, Mm -hmm. but you're always encouraging your students, like just root everything in honesty and just like make your real life kind of the starting point before you start getting too wacky. And then every once in a while you get somebody, um, in a class where that doesn't work or that's creating some like situation that feels wonky. And then you go, well, wait, tell me about your real life. And they go, well, for the past two decades, I've been, um, helping to distribute and uh, teach the world about which lubrications work best for beginner butt play. And then you go, Oh, well that, okay. Yes. You're, when I say keep it grounded in reality, your reality is already an improv scene yeah. to, to most people. Most people would be fighting to get a scene that had this information yeah. and that's just your real life. <laughs> and I'm sure you've run into that from time to time, but I bet your students also. I bet your I bet you really root for the weirdos who show up too. I bet that I bet that the improv uh, students the weird I mean I bet they I bet they flock to you in, uh, in Vegas when they find you.
1: But yeah, well listen, we're still too new like we literally just launched classes, but I think yeah, what I I love the weirdos, you know? That's what we are. We are the island of misfit toys, you know? We're the island of misfit sex toys and uh I think what we're seeing a lot of like when my worlds get to collide is when I'm very lucky and I recently did a a musical improv show where I got, I sang a song about sex education and how virginity is a social construct. And I was like, this is, I could, I could end everything now and go out on a high note. Like (laughs) my worlds have collided in the most beautiful ways. And, and the snaps and cheers that we were getting from all the young, you know, like the, the people in the the next generation, whatever they are, Gen Z, uh, we're just loving it. You know, like we're, we're breaking cycles, I think, you know, I'm, I'm 37 years old and I think I'm a part of that millennial generation that's helping break the cycles from our parents. It wasn't their fault. Uh, but we can do better from here on out. Um, and I think, I don't know, I'm in a very unique position to, to help in very specific ways. (laughs)
0: Love it. I love it. And you've said it twice now that virginity is a social construct. We have five minutes left, so it's impossible, I imagine (laughs) to get into this, but so, my guess, let's see, virginity as a social construct. This is new to me. If I was to hazard a guess, would I say, right? Because fundamentally, there is an era in my life when I had not had sex. And fundamentally, that changed at some point, And I was someone who had had sex. So in that way, it feels to me like virginity is a point in my timeline where I can say, I understand. But I could see an argument. And I wonder if it relates to the idea of, giving this life step any any sort of weight or mysticism or involvement in morality or religion is something that people use as a method of control when in reality, we're just animals who are programmed to want to do that eventually. And we've attached all these meanings to it as a way of judgment or manipulation or control. Am I close?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you basically hit the nail on the head. And I, I think religion in this specifically plays a tremendous part. I'm yeah. Smart motherfuckers <laughs> sometimes, man. You really, you really are. You um, really are. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, it. it is, it is historically meant something different for, for, and when I say men and women, I mean, you know, like the, the, the gender binary that we have all grown up comfortable with and familiar with, uh a man losing his virginity is a different story than a woman losing her virginity. And, you know, he's, he's going to get high fives and pats on the back and she's going to get shamed and, you know, talked about, Oh, she's a slut. She puts out. So, you know, uh, yeah, sex doesn't have to mean penetration from a penis to a vagina. That's the other thing, you know, if you want to talk about realistically, and I know we only have a couple of minutes, you know, a lot, a lot of people have quote unquote lost their virginity. Um, you have harmful, terrible acts, you know? And so that that's thats the other reality. It's like, no, you get to dictate what having sex means to you. And right. the first time that happens is entirely up to you. You know, you don't have to count when you were assaulted. You don't have to count when something happened that you didn't consent to. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's up to us as individuals. Like, I, I think that's so much more empowering to take ownership of that as opposed to you know, oh, this person took my virginity at a certain age. You know, like, no, I, I could, I'm a virgin again for as long as I want to be. <laughs> you know, like, that's up to us.
0: I was just shocked. I'm sure you saw it too. There was a news just a few weeks ago about, I forget which country it was, but their military just stopped doing a thing where when female, doing a virginity check on female members of their military, where they basically have someone.
1: For
0: a hymen. Someone check their hymen through yeah. digital penetration where you sit here, you go, that's the exact sort of thing that makes me understand how, you know, not everything you're saying, but why I see the angle where I go, oh, what a! the idea of virginity somehow being important means that when you join the military in this country, a doctor or someone right. who outranks you gets to touch your private parts to see where you're at and make assumptions about it.
1: How do you you prove that? Yeah. You just go. And you can only prove that with a hymen. You can't prove that with a, with someone who has a penis, you know, like it's just entirely one sided.
0: Right. And it's like I said, manipulation and control and uh, an example where it's so clear cut by modern standards to go, why would that even matter? And then when you say it about that, there's so many other ways in which we've decided virginity matters. And you go, well, why does that matter? And, the the answer so often is oh it doesn't oh it doesn't we right. put all this weight on it for all sorts of reasons um so i see what you're saying i see what you're saying i'm, so I'm glad a, we got to
1: talk about all of this
0: oh i'm glad i was just going to say the same thing i'm glad we got to talk about all of it about vegas about sex toys and about open-mindedness and i i, I if I guided it too much towards the, the sex stuff, I do apologize. But I feel like you had so much stuff to say about it that's gonna get people thinking. I think people are gonna maybe let their guard down and talk to their partners a little bit more about some of their desires that aren't acted upon, vocalize some of their wants and needs. And
1: that would be my dream come true, if that's what comes from this. Yeah. No, I'm happy you guided it in that way. It was it felt like that's where we needed to go and that would be the best outcome would be for people to talk to their partners, and and themselves about more of this stuff.
0: I mean, look, if the best outcome would be if the beautiful anonymous fan base en masse just all of a sudden embraces butt stuff more than they ever have. I bet we have a higher butt stuff appreciative audience per capita than most podcasts already, though. I bet a lot of our people out there are okay with butt stuff. You have to. Don't you think? Definitely,
1: definitely. Especially, I will considering that you started the eating ass movement, yeah.
0: I'm not going to claim that I started the eating ass movement. I will say. I know. I was. I
1: was
0: <laughs> no, I know. I'm yes ending you here. I'm yes ending you here as you would teach oh, me yeah. to do in your class. <laughs> I'm not going to say that I started the movement. I am going to say that I, I happily threw some fuel on the fire. And let me say this too, because we're over time now. But if I'm going to be totally honest, it was a thing I hadn't mm-hmm. done. There was a stretch when I was single and I was – um, dating mm-hmm. someone who was lovely and hilarious. And I think we both knew this was going to be like a fun, somewhat casual thing. And she just told me to, she said one day, do this. I said, I don't, have a, yeah. I don't have a problem with it. But it took someone who liked it to just sort of tell me, you're going to do this because I like it. And me going, I've never done that before. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Let's try it. And that's what's at the core of that joke. Outside of the, like, everybody needs to eat more butt giggling, it's like, yeah, someone who really liked that told me they liked it once, and I did it because I wanted them to like the experience with me. And they had a lot of fun, and that was really fun. And that's not something to sit around and overthink. Mm
1: -hmm. Eat a butt. No, but I I like the fact that you, you said she was lovely and hilarious. And I think that's the moral of the story is it will take a lovely, hilarious person to convince you to open your mind to butt
0: stuff. Well, and that's
1: what I hope I've done today.
0: Oh, absolutely. I would say you are lovely and hilarious. And you know what? I was very lucky. And I can say I've been very lucky that in my life there's been a number of people who have been open with me. And when I say lovely and hilarious, I think hilarious might also be a uh, shorthand for completely unapologetic about what she was looking for and, 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 had no like had no qualms telling me, even if she knew I was gonna be awkward about it, and we would laugh and talk about it and try and it was freeing, and it was not Catholic <laughs> at all, and it was joyous, and she is someone I think fondly of, and I thank her for teaching me how to be a better, a better, more open-minded human and lover. Because, like you said everybody else benefits from that as you travel through the world. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love it. I thank her too. And I thank you, Chris. What a, what an excellent way to spend my lunch break today.
0: (laughs) I thank you. Now, please let's get out there. Let's sell some butt plugs. Let's sell some high end lube. Let's sell a couple pocket pussies. Let's sell. If this,
1: if, if this makes it to the Facebook group, if this episode airs and it makes it to the Facebook group, I'll share some links in there.
0: I would love that. I would. Lo- What's the big product that you're pushing these, any product right now that you're like, we're making this thing, I'm loving it. You want to get a plug in? Not a um, plug plug. I, that sounded bad. Uh,
1: ha, ha. Uh, yeah, our, it's, it's our vibrating snug plugs that I'm a big fan of. Vibrating snug plugs. That's what they're called. You can Google that. A
0: vibrating
1: and, snug uh, plug, and yeah, maybe. A, okay,
0: let me. Yeah, let me just real quick before I let you hang up. I'm just gonna Google vibrating okay. snug plug, <laughs> and then okay, oh, I think I know the name of your company
1: now. Found it. Cool. Oh, it's
0: it's weighted.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, you found it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That the snug plugs are, are original. It's like the snug plugs without the vibrations are top-notch. But I think the vibration adds a whole new level.
0: I'm looking at the vibrating one. It has great reviews. I'm going to tell you, based on my experiences, I don't know that it would be for me, but I can tell you, anybody who's not image-searching this, I'll leave you with this. The people <laughs> image-searching this, you're all going to agree with me. Man, does that thing look easy to remove. Man, is that a well-designed, easy-to-remove Nobody's gonna have any qualms about that thing getting stuck anywhere because you have really you have really um designed this with ease of removal in mind and anybody it's gonna alleviate that concern for anybody for anybody.
1: That's what I'm I'm here for you and I'm here for your butts.
0: Oh, there's an XL. We got an XL. It comes in a lovely people variety buy big films.
1: online. What's that? Yeah. People buy very big products online.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is this thing dishwasher
1: safe? Uh, The non-vibrating one is, yeah.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank (laughs) you so much for this call.
1: Oh, my God. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Caller, thank you so much. Sincerely, that was joyous. I hope you get to talk again sometime. Thank you so much. This show is produced by Anita Flores. It's engineered by Jared O'Connell and Marcus Hamm. The theme song is by Shell Shag. Please go support Shell Shag all of their endeavors if you want to know more about me including my tour dates ChrisGeth.com. wherever you're listening there's a button that says subscribe, favorite, follow it really helps us out when you hit that button so please do so and you can find our latest merch at podswag.com we've got mugs, shirts, posters and more find ad-free episodes of Beautiful Anonymous as well as tons of other shows over at Stitcher Premium use the promo code STORIES for a one month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium